I have been selling this book, Zana's Lee and Wan Chun Hong's Guide to Indie Filmmaking, which is published by MPH. For a while now, it's a really good book. If you want to be a filmmaker, whether it's for YouTube, social media, TV, film, cinema, whatever, this is the book to get. I'm going to make it more accessible and more affordable to all of you because I believe that everybody needs to become a filmmaker. The more filmmakers we have in the world, I think this world will be a better place to live in. Now it's available as an electronic book download on my website, I'm gonna link it here. It's really cheap, it's really affordable, it's only five ringgit if you want to get the ebook version, okay? Five ringgit! It doesn't really cost much, right? It's just a little bit of something for me. I mean, it did take a lot of work to write. Each chapter of this book talks about one part of the filmmaking process. And for each chapter as well, I interview a local filmmaker. It's only five ringgit! It's only five ringgit! You're watching and listening to Fat Billy Knows Everything and it's called Fat Billy Knows Everything because I know everything. Okay, this week what I want to talk about is the issue of education and why can't schools remain open even under a lockdown? This week's episode is brought to you by Frosties. Great! I've got three kids. Two of them go to school. The younger one, the middle one, the second one. The one that goes to the younger one, it goes to school. She's in kindergarten and as you know in Malaysia after the second MCO was declared the movement control order or the second PKP was declared everything else closed but finally kindergarten is allowed to open only the private kindergartens so my daughter he's six she's six years old she's going to she's, she's going to kindergarten her school's open she has to go but of course she has to maintain uh, strict SOPs, uh, you know. She goes to school wearing a mask, with a face shield and everything. And then like in her school, they have like social distancing. They disinfect every single thing, you know, from the shoes to the hands, to the face, to the eyes, to the head, everything, right? Uh, you can only bring like pre-approved uh, items that have already been approved, right? A special bag and you can't bring anything else, right? So they are doing everything they can, right? to follow SOPs in order to make sure, to minimize the spread of COVID-19, right? Now, my older daughter, she's in Center 4. Now, she's gone to school online, right? Her school is being conducted online. She's missed school for almost all of last year. Except for a brief period when the numbers were going down and the country opened up the schools and there was the RMCO, the Recovery Movement Control Order or PKPP, Pemulihan, right? So they opened schools for a short while and they practiced like very strict SOPs as well lah. Like it, there was social distancing, each class can only have a certain number of students scan temperature, everything lah, right? It was going well, and then the numbers started going up again, thanks Sabah election, right? Uh, after the Sabah state elections, numbers went up again, MCO again, and here we go, second MCO, 
schools are closed again. And she was supposed to start school already in January, January 20th, right? The Ministry of Education said they were going to start schools. But then after that, we went, bought uniforms, bought new shoes and everything. MCO, no more school. Now, I'm thinking, right? What's happening with the education system in Malaysia right now because of the pandemic? Right? What, 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 what are the effects? I'm going to be honest. When my daughter was going to stand at 3 last year, and they were having all these online lessons, right? There really was nothing. Not a lot of learning was happening. The teachers in her school, she goes to government school, of course, Sekolah Rendah Kebangsaan, right? Um, the teachers would give her assignments through WhatsApp. The parents, we are in the group, they give us assignments. And they get like activities to do on a daily basis. And the, the activities are not very substantial. One, two pages of like workbook, and that's it, right? There, were, there weren't really any online classes where the teacher interacts with the students. Maybe a little bit, one or two here and there, but not substantial enough to replace the entire year, entire school year. Right? Now she's in Senate 4. And the Ministry of Education has launched this PDPR thing, this home-based learning and teaching, right? And when she started the online school, okay, it looked like it was a little bit more systematic. There were actually online classes depending on the different subjects. The teachers would come in, like hold the classes on Google Meet. And it's it's really like a class, right? I mean I teach in university and colleges and, and that's what I do as well. We actually conduct the class and the teachers are doing that. So I I see it as a big improvement from the online classes that were done, online lessons that were done last year. Big improvement. Right? It's a big improvement. Um, there were teething problems in the first few days because I remember like one of the classes that my daughter had, uh, the teacher wanted to fit in the entire standard four into that one class. And they gave out the links and all that. And then when the class started, then they realized Google Meet couldn't handle more than like, I think 100 students or something. There was a limit to the number of students and so many couldn't get in, including my daughter. Right? So the teacher had to send another link and have another class in the second half of the day. So I mean, those are small teething problems. Lah. But I'm going to admit, online classes like this, is not sufficient for the education of our kids. Okay, it's not sufficient. If online learning like this was 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 good and can actually replace normal physical classes, this would have been done a long time ago, right? Because there have been a lot of studies talking about online learning. Now we have something called hybrid, or we call it blended learning, which is a hybrid between like online and physical classes. So it's a mixture. Okay, that works. That's very efficient. It's good, right? Because it gives the student like different platforms when they want to learn, right? But this is not this is not blended learning. This is hundred percent online, and the, the methods for online learning are not hundred percent foolproof yet. Right? so we still need to go to school. School is still very important because kids need to interact socially. They need. We are human beings. Human beings are social creatures, right? They need to interact with friends. They need to see people. They need to talk. It's a lot more than just lessons. It's about socializing, right? Social skills. Uh, leadership skills, development skills, progressive learning skills, right, for the kids. So without having any school, schools operating like normal, there's a big disadvantage to our kids, uh, right? Big disadvantage. Uh, they're losing out a lot. So I started reading up, started doing some research, and I noticed that there are a lot of countries who 
have had high numbers of infection, then they had to implement lockdowns, like full lockdowns, but still managed to keep their schools open. Right? A lot of the countries tend to be in Europe. France, for example, Germany, Ireland. These are all countries that have had to implement like full lockdown. Right? But they have managed to come up with a system to keep all the schools open, as usual. Well, I wouldn't say as usual because they would have uh, different like SOPs to make sure that it minimizes the infection rate, right? Uh, it minimizes infection of COVID-19. But they see the importance of not sacrificing education, right? Um, like in Germany, for example, the government says that they notice that, uh, yeah, there are, there are pros and cons of opening a school during a pandemic, right? Um, but, unfortunate, but fortunately or unfortunately, they say that they cannot compromise education and they cannot, I guess they cannot sacrifice education just because there is a pandemic and they had to weigh the pros and cons and they found out that they, they, they felt that it was important to continue with the schools, right? Close down the restaurants, close down any social activities, don't allow that, right? But keep the schools open because education is important. France is the same thing, right? They say, hey look, we've got to keep the schools open uh, and even with the schools open, France managed to bring their numbers down. Now, the government has admitted that yes, bringing the numbers down is very slow. The rate of bringing the infection rate down numbers is very slow. But they're still comfortable with it because at least they're not sacrificing totally education. You know what I mean? They're trying to find a balance. Huh. Ireland is the same thing. Right? So they found out many, many different things through all this research. Um, there was this research done. <coughs> Sorry. There was research done in Iceland, right, and it's reported by the National Geographic, saying that they found that children get infected by half the rate of adults. That's what the research found, right? And it has also been shown that schools remaining open has not really contributed hugely to the number of infections. Yes, infections can still spread in the schools, right? But it's not a huge, like a huge amount that's going to like blow up like crazy. Right? Um, of course, you got to practice social uh, standard your, your standard operating procedures in order to like you know maintain social distancing and all that all that stuff right? That, that's very important. But yes, not there's nowhere in the world where the country's infection rate really really spiked up because of schools remaining open, right? Yeah, um, and because of this, right, all these governments have decided that they are able to balance it out. Now, maybe Malaysia, the Ministry of Education in Malaysia, can learn a thing or two. Study what these countries are doing. Now, I'm going to admit, right, like in Germany, in Ireland, uh, they have recently started to consider closing schools. I think some schools have already been closed in these countries. But even so, like in Germany, for example, they're still not shutting down the discussion of how to find a way to remain open. Okay, they're still fighting for it. Ireland, some schools are still open, like special schools and all that, they feel the need to keep these schools open is still there, right? So even though they are closing some schools, they're still uh, trying to find a way to keep it open. So I think we need, to that, we need to do that too in Malaysia. Because we are already sacrificing so much because of this pandemic. People are losing jobs, the economy is suffering, right? We need to prioritize something. Lah. Education for our youth is actually very, very important, lah, okay? So that is what I'm throwing it out there. Is there a way for Malaysia to even be in fully, full lockdown, but still find a way to keep the schools open? Okay.
Yeah, the New York Times have reported different studies to show that what I, I talked about just now, right? The infection rate uh, in the schools does not really contribute much. It can, but not much, right? Um, so, yeah, study it. So I think that's, that's very important. Now that brings me to uh, the part where I highlight something that I find interesting. So because we're talking about education, I want to talk about an initiative that was started by you know, the former Minister of Education and the current uh, MP for Simpang Renggam, who is an independent, uh, Dr. Mazli Malik. Uh, it's called Untukmu Malaysia. Uh, it's an initiative where he's trying to get funds from the public right, to help underserved students. People who are underprivileged students who come from underprivileged families who don't have access to the right resources to continue with online schooling and all that because there are a lot, right? There are a lot in Malaysia. And that's another thing. If we continue to have all these online schools, the infrastructure is not great. Uh, there are a lot of underserved students who don't have access to the internet, who don't have access to laptops, who don't have access to computers and, and phones and all that. So they get left behind. Right? So he's starting this initiative where we can actually donate money and all that so that there will be resources for these underserved students. I'm going to link it here. Right? Uh, they have different tiers of how you want to help out. Right? Um, I think it's a good initiative. We should try to contribute the best we can. Uh, and what I'm going to do is, uh, you know earlier on, uh, at the beginning of this, film, uh, of this video, I had my advertisement for my uh, online, um, uh, online book, my PDF version of my uh, guide to independent filmmaking book. Right? I'm selling the online guide, the online version for 5 ringgit only five ringgit so um for the entire month of january and february any sales made from that book right guide to independent filmmaking every single sale every single ringgit that i get from selling this book between now until the end of february and the whole of february i am going to uh, contribute okay i'm going to contribute to untuk malaysia okay yes uh, I'm, I'm going to put that aside contribute to, to untuk malaysia so help out Right? Just help out. It's just a little, it's a small thing that you can help out. Um, so let me know what you think about education in Malaysia. Let me know what you think about the schools remaining open. Can we find a way to balance it out? Um, and what is your priority, you know, when it comes to all these kind of things? I'm, I'm interested to know, so do comment below, right? Uh, so that's it. That's it for me from this week. Um, um, please follow all our social media platforms at Feb... I'm <coughs> sorry! This good frosties. Great, great. <laughs> Follow us on all our social media platforms at FatBidin or go to fatbidin.com to get everything. Um, you've been watching and listening to FatBidin Knows Everything. I've got three kids, one wife, and me to support. So you've got to, like, you know, help fund my life. So you actually can go to the FatBidin e store. Right? I'm gonna link it below. I'm gonna link it below, right? And you can get actually like fat billion merchandise, right? And most of it are well, actually books. Are. I used to sell DVDs and films and all that, but hey, everything's available on YouTube now. So now if you want to get fat billion merchandise, it's mostly books. So I've got books here, I've got books here. See, see, see like this book. This is called uh, The Adventures of a Carelight in Afghanistan. It's a graphic novel, see? See, graphic novel which I uh, wrote uh, and illustrated with my, with my buddy Apan, right? Uh, it's a non-fiction one. It's about my time in Afghanistan shooting a documentary for a month uh, when I was there. See, see, I'm a war journalist, right? So it's a really good book, right? Uh, I've got this non-fiction novel. It's called 
Operation Nasi Kerabu, Finding Patani in an Islamic Insurgency. This book I wrote because I spent like a, I spent some time in Southern Thailand where there's a war there. You all know there's a war there, right? In Patani, right? I shot a documentary there which was banned for broadcast. But hey, they allowed me to publish a book. And if you get the book, there is a QR code at the back, right? There's a QR code at the back which allows you to watch it for free online. Oh, where's the QR code? Where's the QR code? Ah, there's the QR code, right? It's online, meaning you scan the QR code, you go to my YouTube channel. Okay, um, I've got another book. This is called Journal Dad, the Chronicles of a Journalist who happens to be a father. It's a, it's a compilation of my articles, my column when I was writing for the Malaysian Insider. It's all about like me being a journalist and raising a family at the same time. It's really funny. It's funny. It's funny. My best-selling book. Liberal, Malay and Malaysian, Writings of a Walking Contradiction. This is a compilation also of my uh, column in the Malaysian Insider. This one focuses more on like politics, race, uh, demonstration, democracy and religion and things like that. It's funny too. All my books are funny because I'm a funny guy, right? Yes, I am. And if you like films, I sell this book. See, I wrote this book with my buddy Wan Chun Hong. It's a guide to filmmaking, indie filmmaking. Uh, every chapter talks about one aspect of filmmaking and it, every chapter also interviews one like a uh, really prominent Malaysian filmmaker. It's really good. You can get all these books at the Fat Bidin e-store. Come on, feed my kids.